Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Analytical Fanboys, the premier modular media media club podcast run by yours truly, the modular king of the podcasting ring, the Vacuuminator. This week, we're discussing Wizards, a film from 1997 by Ralph Bakshi, but more about that later. First, I need to introduce the other hosts of the show. First up, it's the cantankerous Boingo Rider. 1977. I said 1970s. No, you said 1997, it sounded like. Whoa. Man, I hope he edits this and proves you wrong. I mean... I'm saying to you, Chris. We'll get the pudding! You're wrong, Chris. Also, Snowcone83 is here. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> It's fucking, we're recording very late tonight, ladies and gentlemen, and we've been shooting the shit about all kinds of stuff for a long time now, and we're very tired, but we're going to do our level best to bring you a good and wholesome and fun podcast about this movie. Um, But first, Chris, did you do anything this week? Is there anything going on this week in modular media regarding you? Well, this week, um, due to personal real-life issues... Uh, involving a septic tank, hmm. uh, wasn't a, I wasn't able to really concentrate on making a video. Uh, so I just went, you know what, fuck it. Let me just make some music. Made three songs. You can find them on uh, my SoundCloud. You can find it should be under Boingo Writer or search SoundCloud Chris Gaston. One of those, you'll be able to find it. Three latest three tracks. One of them's kind of just a generic RPG kind of Sound the bullshit. One of them's my attempt at basic bitch synthwave. And the third one is me ripping off eyeliner, uh, the vaporwave artist. But it's all very good. Um, but I have recorded the audio for my next video, and I've already started the process of editing. Ooh, I'm excited. I'm and uh, we always got to remember, they killed Fritz. Those bastards. Hey, Cody, you do anything this week? Uh, yeah. Yes. Really? You made a video this week? No. (laughs) Ever thought about making a video this week? I've been planning, but I've, I've like, misplaced my brain, I guess. Um, No, I've not done anything creative, really, this week. I've had a very strange week of, uh, days off kind mm-hmm. of i mean today is a day off but i also had another day off i went into work on my day off that happened whoa uh and it also just happened that someone who was supposed to work that day thought it was their day off and i thought i had to work and then we just agreed even though this, i didn't want that this sounds like a paradox of bullshit and i love it i didn't I would expect so. But yeah, that was it. Okay. So um, back, what did you do this week? Thank you. Thank you for the segue. Um, I made a very divisive, I think would be the kind way to put it, video. I basically fully embraced the fact that I've been hitting down a clickbaitish um road this week. Um, and I did a Q&A video that was basically just me mooching off of a really stupid clickbaity Power Rangers news article that came out this week. Um, 
and uh, a few people didn't like it, and they told me that very vocally, and also sent me some kind of funny, but also kind of rude memes regarding my infatuation with a certain fictional character on Twitter. Um, and uh, some other people really liked it, thought the thumbnail was hilarious. I don't know what you think, but you could go check it out if you want to. Uh, also, Ranger T's back now, because I'm a glutton for punishment. And that was, that was basically my week, unless you want to get into my real life, where I've been dealing with all kinds of really just a buffet of stress but uh i mean literally i had to deal with a lot of shit uh did you personally have to deal with a lot of shit though no but like i'm just i i there was a good through line for verbal he's over here going like did you fucking die though i mean but like it was a septic thing so i'm like were you out there were you in that tank or were we real men in that tank, Chris. Don't you take that from them. <laughs> we're we're five minutes into the podcast and he's calling him out like that. I love it. I mean, he's been calling me out all like that since goddamn freshman year of high school. So fuck. Okay, uh, let me just say for the listeners, um, because they'll never they'll never get to hear some of this stuff, but experiencing these two off mic has been one of the greatest joys for me of doing this podcast so far. It It is truly a wonder to behold. Oh, just wait until, like, Patrick gets into the fold of all of this. Uh, see, the weird thing is, when I lived in Florida, I had a friend named Patrick, and now part of me is wondering if it's the same guy. What's his last name? I don't remember. Nice. What a good friend. <laughs> I haven't talked to him since I moved here. That we weren't we weren't super close. It was just like he we worked together and we hung out. He worked at the gas station and I stopped there once. We actually worked at a Five Guys together. Thank you very oh, much. Dude. Anyways, Wizards by Ralph Bakshi is a movie from the seventies that features uh, Hitler. Pixie Titties, and uh, Grandpa Smurf. And Mark Hamill. And Mark Hamill! I literally did not know that until you just said it. Who the fuck does he play? He plays the fucking little fairy dude who goes like, Guys, stop. I'm the representative of us fairy people. And then he gets shot. Yeah. Wow. Nice. What a way to go. I mean, it's a lot better than turning into a giant bug boy. So, um, I have tried to predict Beck Cast 2 on this show multiple times in the past. And it's never happened. It's never actually happened. I honestly don't think it ever will happen at this point. But I think this is a very similar thing where I sat back and I absorbed this. I will never pretend to understand or like it. It is very much a counterculture 70s animation project of going like, I want to make a fantasy thing, but also with like Hitler. Yeah. Did yeah. you like it, Cody? <laughs> I was about to say. Um, I don't think I like it. Either. I mean, well, it's interesting. It's neat. Um I feel like 
it feels like that time I watched, uh, I think it's like, it's a beautiful life. If you guys ever watched that animation. Um, but I was in a very specific state of mind mm. through something else, through, through means of something else. Um, I forgot what time it was and where I was while doing that. Um, and that was interesting. It felt like that, but with none of the fun. That's, that sounds horrible. Um, wow. <laughs> Tell us how you know. really feel, Cody. <laughs> It felt like an acid trip in a way, like yeah. Um, one thing I will say, and as as probably just because the audio thing, like I was just getting constantly like ear raped, like nonstop, and I had to like mm-hmm. my shit went from a hundred to like four, like it was crazy. Um, Whenever anybody yells in this movie, it's like a hundred percent louder, and I don't understand it. Um. It's definitely neat, though. I, I always love old stuff like this. Um, I, uh, I think one of the one of the things I might have like ruined for myself for it was uh, I forget what it's called, but it was like Rock and Rule or something like that. Um, that's an old animated movie similar to this. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, and I love that movie. I actually enjoy that movie. I guess if anything, this movie like has a start and finish, but like I don't know, it's it's way more artsy, but it's like it's not the artsy I'm used to. It's like the artsy from like way back when. So like it's mm-hmm. it's neat. Yeah, it's it is definitely that kind of like underground comics with an X, Fritz the Cat style, like mm-hmm. like it- that sixties, seventies just fuck you comic book writing kind of thing. It feels like something that was shown at conventions a lot pre nineties. If that makes any sense as a denotion of what it's like. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I will say, I, I feel like I liked it more than both of you, but I wouldn't say I love it. It like, I love little segments of it that I will always and continuously quote, they killed Fritz. They, oh my God, they killed Fritz. That's oh, like, oh yeah, that's right. I completely forgot about that scene. That was really good. That's like one of my favorite, like, and I think partially the reason a lot of it feels a little disjointed and jangly is one Ralph Bakshi had a very limited budget to make these movies, so he did what he could. There's and, a lot of scenes where it's just like the same stock footage rotoscoped over and over again. Yeah. yeah. And and the way he liked to do certain dialogue scenes was to have a couple voice actors improv and then animate over that. Huh. So a lot of the scenes where two gas mask guys are like talking to each other, that's kind of improv and then he animated over it. Hmm. Or animated to the audio. I mean, like this movie is not bad. It's it's definitively no. like good and interesting. Is it Kino? I don't know, but like to its defense and also to the defense of Chris putting it on the list and thinking that it's cool. The whole movie is literally on YouTube right now under the title Bernie versus Trump. 
<laughs> That's real. That's a real thing. I'm not joking. <laughs> oh. Oof. Yeah. Um, super anti-fascist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but it's d- definitely that, like, 70s hippie style kind of, like, look through peace, violence, and war kind of thing. Like, this is definitely after the Vietnam War. Yeah. yeah. Especially with fucking red chess piece Boba Fett in this movie. I like that robot. Yeah, he's cool. He, he he's, he's very, like I compare him to Boba Fett because he's got a simple design and also like he seems to be the thing the movie is sold on. But I don't feel like he ever really does anything. He's just kind of led around by other characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like a lot of the designs are really good in this movie. Good number of the monster character designs. Uh, the gas mask guys are like really good and strong. Yeah. Lest we not forget Big Titty Pixie. That's her name. That's one thing I didn't expect to happen, by the way. Um, I don't know if that's jumping too far ahead. That might be jumping too far ahead. No, no, no. Go yeah. on. Just like how, like, her and the old guy get together and not like the young guy. I feel like that was an attempt at subverting tropes, but like is weird. She was also really up for like fucking him. That's definitely a thing. Like they oh, made the yeah. joke about it and she's like, Huh. Well, she's like the most fickle bitch ever, right? Because she's like constantly on everyone's case and talking about how she's the best thing ever. But then when things are cool, she's ready to jump anybody's nuts. Am I wrong? No, I, it, I think it's partially, again, we're talking about a movie that deals a lot with like the counterculture in the late 70s. So that's like. I don't I'm not trying to justify it and I don't think it's I think it's poorly done in some places but it feels very much like that last little gasp of like the free love kind of stuff coming through. That's fair. Definitely is. Yeah, but it's just that kind of idea. But also there was like a weird sense of naivety from her like mm-hmm. the 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 um Avatar is lying on bed. Avatar is the old main character wizard. He's lying on bed and he's like going like, all right, you guys go save the day, whatever. And she basically straddles him and goes like, no, uh-uh, you're coming. Uh, you're coming with us. And he goes like, all right, I'll come with you. Just stay there for like an hour or two. And then it cuts to what he's seeing. And it's just like, just, just her tits everywhere. And she just yeah. innocently goes like, okay. And does a sexy pose. It's like I said, this is probably shown at a lot of pre nineties conventions. Yeah. Like I was watching this and I was just thinking about like, Chris, you've seen the down the rabbit hole on furries, correct? Yeah. That's the kind of conventions I'm thinking of when I say that. Not specifically furry conventions, just conventions of that sort of atmosphere. I can understand that vibe. Yeah. Um, If you want to see the movie they show of his at furry conventions, that's Fritz the Cat. 
yeah, I recall that being brought up several times in that video. Um, what's something actually about this movie I could talk about? Oh, yeah, I wanted to make a joke about how uh, Netflix should totally be adapting this and just pretend it's part of the uh, the fucking Avatar universe. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is, this is the sequel to Korra that jumps ahead even further in time. I, um... I was getting a couple of different vibes. Like I said, like the movie kind of almost did this like brain numbingness to me at some parts where like I felt like I was watching something else for like a split second. Um, like I, there was moments where I felt like I was watching and it's going to be really weird. Um, what's it called? Uh, the, the new Matt Groening show on Netflix. Um, Disenchanted. Yeah, Disenchanted. Just because, like, the guy sounds similar, like, uh, Avatar sounds like the dad a little bit. Um, just, you know, things like that. I mean, I'm sure, like, maybe one thing could have referenced the other. Obviously, one thing referenced the other. Or maybe. But, uh, I don't know. I was just getting, like, different vibes. Interesting. Uh, or that was interesting to me. It was interesting I was, like, thinking about that while watching that. Um, it also reminded me of this other thing. I, if I could stand up and look at this thing that's covered in boxes, I'd be able to name it. But it was just like this old cartoon that was on Fox. Um, Fox Kids. No. Um, <laughs> it's something super obscure that like you'd never be able to blurt out. I think Fighting food on. No, it wasn't. Fi- Let me just stand up. <laughs> Jesus. Gotta make me fucking move. <laughs> This is going to be the weirdest episode ever for people who are just dropping in and haven't listened to anything before. Oh, no, it'll be fine. It'll be representative of the movie itself. That's Cyber fair. 9. Cyber 9. I yeah. Oh, that sounds familiar. X-Y-B-E-R 9. New Dawn. So I got a, I got a unopened figure sitting right there. Safety. God damn it, Cody. Hey, don't bring damage. Oh, uh, I will. Yeah, look at these boys. God damn. Yeah, it's not very good. Don't watch it. (laughs) It reminds me of Titan uh, AE. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I thought it was. No, I'm pretty sure. Um. Some of the Titan AE toys are like they have to be like repurposed or something because like the Titan. No, I don't think Titan AE toys had like there. There's a specific jet that I had from this toy line um, that I thought was a Titan AE toy. Yeah, this isn't going to make any fucking sense for the listeners, but I don't care. I have to show you guys. Guess what was next to this on Google Images? When I searched Cyber Nine, is it Cyberman? Why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what Why? episode of Doctor Who is that? <laughs> Chris, can you tell me? For context, it's a picture of Boris Johnson next to a picture of somebody fucking getting coronavirus shit. I don't fucking know what's going on in that photo. Oh my god. 
Okay, okay. So this movie that makes even less sense. Uh, wizards. <laughs> um, that's a lie. It's it's a pretty standard fantasy story. It yeah. is, and like there's there's disparate elements here and there that just kind of come. Uh, the first fifteen minutes of this fucking movie are just exposition, aren't they? Like just yeah, yeah. Like, wow, there should be like five more movies in this series, and this is the last one. Um, it's, uh, yeah, they kind of get you from like, so you're in present day. All right, millions of years later, everyone's dead. Good job, by the way. Like, nukes were a thing, but somehow footage of World War II survived. Uh, fantasy creatures were real, and now that we're gone, they're back. Uh, but they live in a nuclear wasteland, and uh, this one guy wants to make it an even worse nuclear wasteland. Also, him and his brother are the two oldest beings in existence right now, and they gotta fight. Uh, and they're wizards. Yeah, yeah, they're wizards. Um, also, I love how this movie just constantly drops, like, magic and technology are mortal enemies, and then never really does anything with that concept. <laughs> Especially one of the lasting images that you were kind of left with with the movie is a gnome-like wizard in full, like, generic wizard garb, green, big pointy hat, whole nine yards, just pulls out a fucking revolver and shoots a dude. Uh, Chris, that was a Ruger, dude. What is wrong with you? (laughs) Sorry, I don't play Call of Duty Zombies. That's not even how I know that. I know, but I thought that'd be funny. I feel like that was supposed to be, like, the big joke of the movie. Like, they kept dropping that and dropping that, and you think it's building up to something, and then it's just the Indiana Jones gag before Indiana Jones. But, like, it didn't land for me. I was just like, all right, I guess you subverted my... Expectations, congratulations. Who directed Last Jedi? Uh, Ryan Johnson? Yeah, congratulations, Ryan Johnson. You did it again. I said that literally just to make Chris mad. Well, he's there, not mad. Um, you doing okay over there, buddy? <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. I like the horses. Yeah, they're uh, yeah. they're interesting. They remind me of uh, hey, another Star Wars connection. They remind me of Eopies. Is that the uh, the things that look like ticks that um, Anakin and Padme are like hanging out with while they're frolicking through the uh, field? You know, the most memorable scene in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think those things are also native to Tatooine. I'm not sure. I know uh, Obi-Wan rides one in the uh, Kenobi novel. I just, yeah, like I, the, so. I just like the horse's floppy ears. Hey, he's a boy. Oh, that was the other thing that this reminded me of. It kind of has... I kind of got, like, with the whole technology versus magic thing, I kind of got, like, a He-Man vibe. Just a wee bit. Yeah, this does have a similar aesthetic to He-Man, except just, you know, bigger tits. 
Uh, I'm not, not going to leave that alone, by the way. That was that is just jarring for some. I mean, it was everywhere. I will say, I will say that it's not. Um, it's not just the ladies that have everything hanging out there, all right? Yeah, everyone has stuff hanging out, and uh fucking. And from boy. what I hear, that's just part of Ralph Bakshi's aesthetic. Kind of, yeah. I haven't seen a lot of his movies, but like his first one was Rated X. Mm. Back when Rated X wasn't just like porn, it was like NC-17, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, then the next one, I think, was... No, there was, a mo- there was one movie which was an adult drama kind of thing, and then he did Coons. I think that's the name of it. Please tell me that was not a movie about black people. Uh, I regret to inform you. Okay. Oh, God. Yeah, no. Like, here's the... Oh, he did like, Cool World. Yeah, yeah, he did Cool World. Um... <laughs> he, he is always forgiven now. He did Cool World. <laughs> no. No, what? I'm not saying... Coonskin. That's the name of the movie. Coonskin. Okay. Man, I mean, it, it before you said. I mean, dude, it's a, it's very, dude. Come on, yeah. Uh, he also did the uh, Lord of the Rings, the animated one. Oh yeah, I have heard things about that version that are not quite favorable, but well, okay. Uh, it's about an African American coonskin is about an African American rabbit, fox, and bear who rise to the top of organized crime racket in Harlem, encountering corrupt law enforcement, con artists, and the mafia. Jesus, yo, he's still alive and on Twitter. <laughs> oh God, guys, should I tweet at Ralph Bakshi why you put so many big titties on the fairy lady? No, man, he's like ninety. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. Um, Man, you slap Ralph Bakshi into Google and. Yeah. <laughs> what is this episode right now? It's looking at a weird member of American animation oh. that kind of needs more credit, but also is like, it's understandable why he's kind of pushed to the backside in comparison to the machines of Disney DreamWorks and the works of um Doo-Doo did American Tale. Don Bluth. Don Bluth. I mean he comes off as uh one of those guys who just kind of goes or gets shoved to the back because everybody else is going, yeah, we just want to know Disney. We don't want to deal with these weirdos. Because they're weirdos. I mean, like, I think if you're at all interested in animation, you should probably watch Wizards and maybe some of other of his work. Because it might not be the cleanest, but it's very interesting to see a dude in the 70s going like, you know what? Fuck it. I want to make animation for adults. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll just uh, say... I, I see that concept design you put in the chat, Cody, and uh, fucking wow! I can't believe James Cameron ripped him off, dude. Mm. I'll just say I'm like scrolling through his Twitter and like, man, got some good art. 
Yeah, like I here's the thing. Sometimes the animation can be a little bit wonky, but all of his character designs were just fantastic. Well, I see what it is because I'm seeing like his concept art. And like, I mean, it was pretty apparent throughout the movie. Like a lot of it seems like concept art that like somebody stuck their hand on and like just like ooh like and it it has that feel. Um, but it's definitely that's definitely what they did. They took some of this concept art and just like had it rattling around back there, which isn't like uncommon, but it's cool to see. It's cool to see like he's got a lot of cell art. And like the link that you posted was a uh HD or it said it was HD, but like I would watch the movie right now again if I saw it this like with this clarity. That's true. Dude, That's some of the shit is just so cool. I feel like I'm about to do a college paper on fucking Ralph Boxy, dude. He <laughs> it, it, it definitely feels like one of those guys that like, if you are a college art student, you just kind of look into and get interested in, just for the sheer, like, this dude did what and when? Like, uh, he also did uh, Fire and Ice. It's a, And that was a film that he worked with Frank Frazetta. Do you guys know who Frank Frazetta is? No, uh, I feel like I do, but I don't. Oh, You've Coonskins. seen Frank Frazetta. I probably have. Coonskins is the movie with the stars and stripes. To, man, that is not good. Oh, dear. It's not good. Oh, no. They have a, a lot of his like concepts and stuff has aged horribly. That's some Frank Frazetta art. I'm sending right now in our chat. Who? Oh, Frank Frazetta, the guy who did every fantasy novel cover in the 80s. Okay. Yeah, he's the dude who basically redefined what Conan looks like to the modern day. Mm. And Ralph Bakshi made a movie with him. Ooh. Like, that's the thing. Like, we can look at some of the, like, why did you put so many tits in this movie? And inevitably, like, you, you look at some of the other things he does, and it's like, this is fascinating. Did he do heavy metal? No, he didn't. I've seen a lot of pictures with, like... Look at this fucking selfie he posted. Dude looks like he's a fun, chill dude to hang out with. Mm-hmm. The thing I posted above that with uh, Gandalf the uh, Grey, uh, I'm just posting that so I could save it later because I like that as a reaction image. It looks nice. <laughs> yeah, but like he also really tried to spearhead using rotoscoping and animation. And there was mm-hmm. a lot of rotoscope in this movie. And yeah, uh, a mixing of uh, live action and animation to kind of, because there was a good number of live action kind of segments for the background detail. Yeah. Um. Man, I really feel like I need to rewatch this movie with a better 
like maybe with like a blue or something because um just scrolling through here and looking at some of this art i'm like you know, like for the red guy i'm like i didn't even know that that thing on his on top of him was like an eyebrow thought it was like a visor like most of the stuff just looks man he he, he did make some point though i will say that <laughs> he was very horny on main and i mean realistically who among us is not yeah but like genuinely that i think we can just like wizards just for the fact that it gave us that image of peace on the weird horse thing as like the, the that promotional image because that is so distinctly a, weirdly American 70s sci-fi and it's like perfect. It's very evocative, I'll give it that. Like to me it has the same kind of vibe as the rat finked in the dra- uh, drag car. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about back? No. Okay, I'm getting the image for you real quick because Cody knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, I might I mean, I, know what you're talking about, and I just don't know what it's called. No, you'll you'll. There's no way you haven't seen it before. If, if you've you ever haven't seen, seen cars, it, you've seen that. Yeah, the it's not just, the movie. You, you just need to put the image to your head. You need to. You need to like connect it. Skull that you know what this is. I swear to God. <laughs> I'm trying to get like the classic one. Um, what did you call it? I called it Rat Fink. Uh, um, that's why Google's going like, "Hey, it's separated, you dumb fuck." Oh, I just googled it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, but it has like that same vibe. Like so- I would put, I would put. A piece on a, as a sticker on the back of a car, like on the window. It just that it's that vibe. Yeah, I can see that. Was this movie popular when it came out? No. It did make a good bit of its uh, bit more than its budget, though. I was looking on Google. Hang on, let me fucking backtrack to where I was. It is, but like a lot of his movies never really. Yeah, budget it, the budget point two nine one point two million box office nine million. So made like is that seven hundred percent of its budget back? Is that like uh, changed for modern numbers, or was that the budget back then? I'm that's just, the budget back then. What the fuck? Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It's like a very limited budget for an animated film. Also, that's definitely a success. Yeah, that is a success, but like, it wasn't critically received well, I don't think. And I mean, like, probably very few people outside of circles that are just into weird old animation remember this because I'd never heard of it before this. I'm surprised he hasn't. Did he do cool? He did Cool World, though, right? He did yeah. do Cool World. He has been confirmed for Cool World. He directed it, but he did not write it or produce it. Cool mm. World. But he did do 
all of the stuff in Wizards. Wizards seems to be the only one he did everything on. So this was like his baby, his passion project. Yeah, because he directed and wrote Fritz the Cat and did a voice in it, but he did not produce it. Same with Heavy Traffic and Coonskin. Uh, Wizards, he did all four. Lord of the Rings, he only directed. American Pop, he directed, produced, and uh, voiced. Hey, Good Looking, he directed, wrote, and produced. Fire and Ice, he directed and produced. Cruel World, he only directed. And Last Days of Coney Island, which is his latest thing, which was in 2015, he wrote, directed, and produced it. Damn, that's pretty good for a guy his age. <clears throat> it was a sh- also a short film, so. Uh, American Pop. Short films can be difficult. Oh yeah. Um. But fuck, like I don't know. There's no, there's no real like direction of targeted discussion to go into with this thing, because like all we can really do is just go down the rabbit hole. Man, this is weird and interesting, and this thing and uh, the fucking Ralph Bakshi, man. Do we have anything we really want to hit on here, Chris? I think the only thing that kind of, like, there's a lot of little elements that are, like, weird and interesting to talk about. Like, oh, the evil wizard has no meat on his arms. That's weird. Yeah, he's a proto-skeletor. And, like, I find it, like, a lot of the flashback illustrations are really well detailed and really well rendered. And I really enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Um... It's just so interesting, and it's very interesting, and, like, there's a lot of weird moments that kind of don't go anywhere, but that also feels like it's kind of the point. Like, like when uh, they went to the two monks who did, like, a vaudeville routine. That was weird, man. And then they go, like, we're not getting what we want. Go with plan A, and they kill all the children. And they go, like, ah, we're still not getting what we want. Go with plan B, and they blow up the building and that's it that's the scene definitely weird. i don't know it's it was definitely like I, I would never regret watching it i'll show it to other people probably um it, it feels like a movie that would probably be better with other people so you can point and go like what the fuck just happened yeah, yeah I feel like this would be thing. a good this would be a good like party reaction kind of movie with the right crowd. I, like I'd like to watch the the red letter media guys watch this. Or get the whole crowd fucking stoned. Yeah, that too. I wonder what I wonder what the monetary value on doing something like that would be. Like how expensive? To get everyone stoned? I mean, like, depends on who you're buying from, man. I mean, my friend Cole, whenever he got a a $25,000 inheritance, he bought, like, $700 in weed. But anyways... I like how you're just doxing him for that on this podcast. Yeah, I mean, he spends more than that monthly, probably, I don't know. I go over I there mean, Cole's also coming. the kind of guy who would directly say how much he pays for weed. Yeah, he don't care. He's not hiding it. It's, it's, who's hiding that? Nobody's hiding. <laughs> who cares? Like, also, who's hiding Cole? Cole can't hide. Okay, yeah. For perspective, look out your window. You see him. He's massive. He's huge. 
We're trying to get him in the gym. Oh, he okay. Want to do it. Okay, this is fat shaming. All right. Yeah, but in this case, it's okay because he deserves it because he put it on himself. Uh. So do we want to point out? out I just like to point out he's a big boy. That's all I do. So do we want to find out what we're talking about next week? Absolutely. Jesus Christ. Okay, let me load up this fucking thing. Oh God. Oh, because of course you put that on the list after we fucking like side mentioned it. I love you, Cody. I'm spinning the wheel now, by the way. What are you talking about? What did you put on the list? Oh, I can just fucking look at the list myself right now. Fuck it. All right, so next week we're going to be talking about Flashpoint. Are we doing the animated movie or the comic? Or the uh, the Amy Jo Johnson show about SWAT police. Did I put that on there? Yes. yes. <laughs> this, is, this is your first one. Hey. Yay! It was also a very unanimous yes and angry. <laughs> um... I guess I did that. Um, I mean, no, I did that. I, I, I guess I did that uh, to try to start us watching um, the DC universe as well, just to I, put that out there. Have we all seen it? I've, I literally only know the story of Flashpoint through the video Linkara did on the comic. Okay, so, so it's let's do be the something new. I like it, so I'm going movie. into it liking it. Animated movie, get a subscription to DC Universe for a week, and then cancel it right after I watch the movie. Got it. Uh, I mean, you could just get HBO Max. Yeah, HBO Max is kind of like actually worth it. I've been thinking about like hopping back on there too. Okay, get a subscription to HBO Max and then cancel it right after I watch the movie. Got it. There's a free seven day trial, and if one of you sign up, we could all use it. <laughs> I already listen. Used my... <laughs> listen, we tried that with Impact Plus. That shit did not go well. Look, the only hitch with HBO Max, there's a lot of them. Um, It doesn't like to work on consoles very well. That's fine. It does. It might not still. Um, This is a great sales pitch. This is a fantastic sales pitch. I'll take 9,000 copies, please. It's got all the DC stuff you could ever want. It's got Doom Patrol on there. Does it have the camis? No. Then it doesn't have all the stuff I could ever want. Why are you such a visual stuff? I don't know. It's a comic. Cody, why are you such a bad salesman? Listen, because it's my job, all right? Hey, Chris. Hi. Did you watch Fight for the Fallen? Yeah. How about that fucking... That one match with those people? Oh, yeah. That was a good match. <laughs> no, but seriously. Sunny Kiss in fucking Totally Spies themed gear. I marked out. Oh, fuck. Sunny Kiss is the best. Yeah. And that fucking, like... 
I I'll admit I zoned out a lot during this week's AEW show, but like one of the moments that really struck me was just the way that match ended, and then them immediately like hugging, and clearly Cody was just saying in his ear, "Don't worry, you did great. Your time, your time to be a champion will come." Yeah, I'm I'm really glad. Like, Sunny Kiss is like such is put in such a great position. Like they are seen as a legitimately cool character. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, damn well what they would have done uh, with him in WWE. Yeah. It was, his name is Velveteen dream. Yep. Um, and but here's uh, a, go ahead. But like they, it'd be more overtly like playing into the femininity and everything because sunny kiss is a nine uh, is a non-binary fellow. Oh yes, I keep forgetting that. Yeah, it, 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 it I think it's you, people can tend to forget it because Sunny Kiss is one of the non-binary people who doesn't like they, they and mm-hmm. them. Sunny Kiss prefers he and she. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, I was also gonna say like. Um, just for brevity's sake, I'll say he feels like a uh, a developmental project that they're taking very seriously, and they're only carting out every once in a while to just be like, "Hey, remember this? This is gonna be a big deal in a little while. Just just remember this because it's cool, and we're gonna we're even, gonna go places." Even teaming uh, Sunny up with like Dustin for a little bit, and then Joey Janela for right now seems to be like, "Hey, these guys are veterans." hang out with them and pay attention to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, that match was great. FTR versus Lucha Bros just makes me go like, I want, I want a full 45 minute match on a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Give it to um, me yesterday. And I love the, they play with the rules and go like, Oh, Hey, taking off a mask in Mexico, that's against the rules. But here, that's fine. Yeah. Um, fucking Tully scoping them out, just still like, hey, four horsemen, four horsemen, it's a thing we could do. We're not going to tell you if we're going to do it, but it's a thing. Uh, The cleaner came out a little bit today, that day. Yeah. Just fucking releasing all this pent-up aggression on Marco's stunt, and everybody's going like, what the fuck you doing, Kenny? He's like, "Ah, it's fine, it's fine. You know what? I think some people were suspecting it was going to happen during the feud with the inner circle, but I'm thinking now, like now that FTR's here and we've been hinting at four horsemen and Cody's barely hung out with the elite at all on dynamite. I'm thinking at some point in the not too distant future, we're going to see four horsemen form that involve Cody somehow and FTR are going to be in it. They will take the ca- tag belts off of Kenny and Page, and that will cause Kenny and Page to implode, and will also cause like a bunch of shit with the Young Bucks. I see that. But um, the main event was great. Mox versus Cage. How do you feel about the the, uh, the finish? Because I saw a lot of people complaining that they've done that <clears throat> twice in the space of a year. Because here's... Okay, the finish was... uh, Hold on. 
Whoa. I had, a, I had to cough. Ah. Um, the finish was Taz threw in the towel. Yeah. I'm fine with that being a finish more often than just a DQ. Because, hey, it's a combat sport. That's a thing that can happen. Yeah. I uh, wasn't... I was surprised by it, but not, like, mad why did they do that surprise. Just like, oh, okay, did not expect that. Especially when you th- start to think about it, it's like, oh, yeah, Brian Cage did just come back from an injury. Taz is trying to protect his interests, protect his client to basically continue to perform. Why, like, it makes total sense why you would do it. Though I do agree with people saying they did the order of things wrong. They should have just had Taz, Badmouth, Moxley, uh, not the uh, last week, and then this week have this thing. Brian Cage gets pissed, and then next week they make him the FTW champion. I feel like that was probably the original plan, and then the whole Mox having to quarantine thing happened. Then they were like, shit, 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 what do we do? Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's fine the way it is right now, but I would have preferred it that way. Yeah. Um, fucking... Oh, how did you feel about Nightmare Sisters? I, it's fine. Okay. I I think it has a lot of potential. However, I'm worried it's just a filler thing until QT can come back. Because, um, like, there is a thing on social media where, like, Brandy and Allie have been saying, like, yeah, we should have a full-on women's tag team division. And I'm like, y'all, WWE can't even get that off the ground. And they've <laughs> had the biggest push for a women's division out of anyone so far. I don't, I don't. Like, I'm, I'm not saying this shouldn't happen, but y'all are kind of reaching for the stars at the moment. Especially with a greatly reduced roster. Yeah. Uh, uh, though I do appreciate Hikaru Shida basically going like, hey, maybe we should have like an uh, uh, open challenge for the women's title right now so we can get anybody we can get uh, uh, to have fun matches. Yeah, that's great. And I love that they let her cut a promo full-on in English. They didn't, like, say, like, do some Japanese and we'll translate it. They didn't say, like, do a bit of half and half. They're like, no. Hikaru's been practicing a lot at home. Everybody follows her on Twitter and Instagram so they know she's learning to speak English and she's getting really good. Let's just let her cut a promo in English. And everybody I think it's more to of, like, she, she's been just practicing. I think she's known English. It's just been, like, it's what's rusty and now she's, like, getting the rust off. Mm-hmm. Um... um Nyla Rose having Victor Guerrero, perfect. Yeah, and I f- totally fucking called it. I was kind of annoyed that we didn't talk about Fire Fest Night Two last week because I was like, oh, I could have, I could have said that that's who I thought it was, but like nobody, nobody listens to this show who would care that I called it. So I just um, want, I just want Vicky Guerrero to go full on Karen for Nyla Rose. Yes. Just full on. Excuse me. Can I talk to the manager? What, what do you What do you need, Vicky? No, no, I need to talk to the manager. Vicky, it's me, Cody, the executive vice president. I don't care. Give me that Ray Selins- uh, Ryan Zelinsky looking motherfucker. She. Just, I want to talk to Khan. To- um, fucking Britt Baker. And then Tony Khan steps in and goes like, 
Yeah. No, no, no. I want to talk to the con. I want to talk to your dad because he can get shit done. Oh, um, fucking. I also had the idea now that you've said that Britt Baker's cutting a promo on Nyla and she just goes, uh, excuse me, where's your chaperone? My what? Tony Schiavone, get over here. <laughs> uh, um, uh, but, uh, uh, Darby's back. Yeah, skateboard boy, skateboard boy. I'm excited to see him do stuff. I miss Darby. I genuinely. I, I'm ready for him to put his life in danger for my entertainment. Yes. Oh, uh, wrestling. Um, how you doing over here, Cody? I'm looking up uh, Sonic Drive-In toys from the early 2000s. The amazing thing is he's not even joking, guys. People listening at home, this is just what talking with Cody in the room is like. Well, I got here. <laughs> I actually don't know how. I, uh, I was looking at something, some three and three quarter inch Star Wars figure. And then there was also a picture of a three and three quarter inch thumb thumb from Spy Kids. And I was like, yo, that's crazy. Maybe I want that. And then I clicked on it. And I was like, all right, Spy Kids had some really cool uh, McDonald's toys, and they had the Ralph robot. And I, then I went into the 2000s McDonald's toys, and then there was a picture of the Spy Kids thing, and then there was a picture of the Sonic thing, and that's where I am now. That's a lot of shit. Uh, any other shit you've been up to this week? Because I guess we'll just kind of smoothly transition into that. I mean, it's not that smooth when you directly acknowledge how smooth it is. Listen, I only have so much butter. Well, I'm still lactose intolerant. Anyways, um, I bought a lot of stuff. I, I got heard. Did the, you now? I got a secret two-pack. Oh, yeah? How, how are they quality control-wise? Like, compared to Starscream, any kind of, like, crazy differences in joint tolerances? No, I haven't noticed anything like that. Um, I actually didn't even transform Starscream uh, wow. when I got them. I transformed transformed them back and forth. Um, I actually haven't transformed Starscream since I turned him into the jet, since I bought him. He's just been chilling somewhere. Um, but I still like them. The, the wings, the rear wings, don't have the stripe like they should, but it's whatever. Um, I got... I went into my hometown hobo ass walmart um that never has anything and that all they have right now in the marvel legends is the newest uh video game like avengers video game wave um and that's all that's been in there for a little while they got the fantastic four wave um and those came and went and i think i bought the doom whenever it was in our store um but i walked in there and lo and behold they have the uh Demo Goblin Vulture, which is a figure I wanted but never saw in person, and it yeah. was just there. Same. And I'm like, they never got it. They never got that wave. I don't know where it came from. It it just was there, and I bought it. They and it was fifteen just, bucks, by the way. Knowing how retail stores were, also that's a great price. Knowing how retail stores work, I'm betting somebody just said like, "Oh, we need more of these Marvel Legends on the on the peg." Enters UPC code into ordering system. Okay, and it just sent them whatever random one they had in stock that could be diverted to that store on that day. Maybe. Um, I also went to my local GameStop and traded in a controller 
uh, for a tic tac. No, um, I got a Black Series off-world Jawa with the cloth cape, which I like. It's neat. Uh, I'm glad I didn't have to pay money for it. It was a controller that was given to me, so like ultra free. Um, I used to, man, I have no desire to get Jawa figures, but like. I was stupidly into Jawas as a kid. I would I would say their stupid little phrases all the time, like "Oh, TV." I was that kid. Yeah, I, um, I really liked the Jawas because I don't know if you ever had the. Uh, it was called like Star Wars Heroes, and it was like the little Fisher Price guys that were like really short and cartoony. Um, Vaguely, I remember those. They'd have like two packs, and one of them I think was, I can't remember who he came with, but it was a Jawa, and mm-hmm. like. He got. He had his hand out, and I remember his hand was like, kind of like it was grasping something. And I'd always like poke my finger in his hand, and like it was always neat because it was like he was like grabbing my hand. He was just like cute and perfect. Um, I still have all of them somewhere. God knows where those are. But um, so that's why I like the Jawas, anyways. So I wanted it. I just didn't want to pay money for it. So this is the perfect opportunity to get it. Um, I also got the Bosk, which is the Black Series whatever they call it, whenever they re-release the old one. Um, the retro card? The fucking 2040-69 anniversary Empire it's Strikes not Back? The retro, it's not the retro-carded one. It's um the other one. Archive series? Archive series. There you go. Okay. Um, and thankfully, they were both listed for 20 bucks. Uh, Bosk was like 10 or something. Um, wow. And... The Jawa was also not 20, but I can't remember what it was. I didn't spend money in that store. So, like, I walked out with two figures. That was dope. Um, nice. And I got a Dengar from my local toy store. Ooh. And I don't think I bought anything else from there. Okay. Um, and today I got a couple things. What did I get? I got uh, the Hulk 2-pack with the first appearance Wolverine. And... I got some new micro machines, the newest micro machines. Chris, I don't think I told you this yet. Um, Does this include that that Thomas thing you were showing me earlier? No, I, that's been sitting next to me for like ever. Um, okay. I bought some hobbles too, but like they're not worth talking about. They're just hobbles. They're not. Um, but about the micro machine, I, I'm a huge fan of micro machines, micro machines. Um, and honestly, the new one, like, being a what I would definitely consider a diehard micro machine fan, and to a further extent, micro car fan, um, these are not good micro cars. They're not that good. I like the one that I did open. Um, if it was something by itself, the strange cartoony design would be neat, but knowing where it came from deeply bothers me. Like, it doesn't stand up to any Micro Machine. Not even the ones that came out whenever Hasbro originally got the license that mm-hmm. were less good than the originals. Oh. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's about it. Uh, should I just go into my haul from last weekend that I didn't talk about on last week's episode because I hadn't opened anything yet? Or, uh, Chris, do you have things to talk about? The only thing I have really to talk about is I got caught up to Amazing Spider-Man, so that can wait. The comic? Yeah. No, talk. 
I no, I'm starting I started with the new Nick Spencer run. I'm caught up on that. Oh, fascinating. It's been really good. Especially I've... because Nick Spencer is basically going like, "Hey, I'm going to pull a Grant Morrison for Spider-Man and just pull out all these random D-list characters that no one remembers and just do dope shit with them." Wait Isn't he rooming with Boomerang? Yes. Wait a nice. Has His Big Wheel with... shown up yet? No. Um, but we now have a Sinister Syndicate, which is an all-women's Sinister Six. Okay. So we have Electro, uh, the new Moth. We have that the White Rabbit girl who's always like a background villain in Marvel stuff. Uh, you have the female scorpion, and you have Lady Doc, uh, Lady Octopus. This is all those guys. Um, all Sin those Eater. guys. Get your yeah. pronouns correct. It's not a pronoun. It's a fucking <laughs> noun noun. Yes. Um, Sin Eater is back and doing some stuff. Uh, Nick Spencer also finally... Uh, fix the Craven stuff that happened. Whoa. Okay, basically, you know how the Craven storyline kind of truly ended with Last Hunt. Uh-huh. Okay, it's because, for people who don't know, spoilers from a comic from the 80s, Craven tries to kill Peter Parker uh, and goes like, alright, I'll be Spider-Man to prove that I'm the best hunter. Uh, it fails. Everything... Story wraps up. Craven kills himself. He commits suicide. And but it's it, it feels like a really fitting in for the character. It it it, it 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 it's it's sad and tragic and that kind of stuff. And eventually there was a sequel written by the same guy, basically going like, "Hey, yo, here's Spider Man actually helping Craven move on from the trauma of suicide." That kind of thing. And it's like, all right, cool. Craven is just retired as a character for these many years. Well, later, some writers go like, "Hey, let's resurrect Craven." But Chris, who's gonna fight Spider-Man? Nick Spencer fucking fixes it perfectly because basically, Craven's sitting there going like, "Fuck, I can't die. I can only be killed by Spider-Man. Spider-Man won't kill me." What the? I can't die. This is fucking sucks. I want to be dead. I shouldn't be here. This fucking sucks. Craven, the ultimate millennial icon. <laughs> okay, so basically, he's in the Savage Lands, convinces the High Evolutionary to go like, all right, make me like 50 cloned sons. And he goes like, all right, cool, here's 50 sons. And he raises them up. They, they like they age super fast. He raises them. He teaches them all he knows. And when they're all adults, he gives them each one of them a like a target, a thing they need to hunt. And then like one month later, only one of the Craven sons comes back, and he says, "I killed them all. There was it was the greatest hunt." And Craven's going like, "Oh my god, you're a monster. You're horrible." He then grabs the uh, the the Craven clone's shoulders and goes. I am so proud of you. Super Craven move. So, so Craven, Craven is now Django Fett? In a sense, 
because hold on, Craven has his plan. He teams up with Arcade. Remember Arcade? No. No. Arcade's uh, uh, traditionally an X-Men villain. He is a human who really likes to build death traps. So he's Fred from Scooby-Doo. Kind of. Add a little bit of Riddler. Um, uh, But basically, right now, his big shtick is he's death traps for hire. Like, a bad guy can just hire him to build him a death trap. Huh. So it was a really interesting villain dynamic. And Craven goes like, all right, here's the deal. I am fucking tired of all these big game hunters who are just fucking dentists who want to feel like big men. Fuck them. They're not real hunters. I fucking hate all these uh, supervillains running around with goddamn animal themes who aren't fucking animals. Who aren't like... What the fuck you, Hammerhead? You're not shark theme. Why the fuck are you calling yourself Hammerhead? Fuck you. And I want to get Spider-Man in a situation where he can kill me. That's his plan. So what he does is he gets Taskmaster and Black Ant to capture all the animal-themed villains and put them in Central Park with a force field and basically give all the hunters robot suits not like robot droid drone things to hunt all the animal themed villains and if a if the drone gets destroyed they die so that's like killing two birds one stone it's like all right cool but this is also a very chaotic situation where spider-man's gonna want to fucking save the day hell yeah spider-man's there he's gonna get pissed at me i'm just gonna engineer everything to the point where spider-man will want to kill me And then he goes like, yo, you're Spider-Man. You're not going to kill me. And that makes me realize that's the true strength of you being Spider-Man. That's why I could never be Spider-Man. I truly understand and reach catharsis. Let me go put on a Spider-Man costume. Go try and save Black Cat and Kurt Connors' kid who got wrapped up in this. And have my son beat me to death. So I can die in peace and basically tell my son, hey... I'm happy. I want to die. I didn't I didn't need to be live. But guess what? You're a dope-ass hunter. I leave all my possessions to you. You're now Craven the Hunter. What a fucking Chad. So literally, he fixed the original Craven the Hunter's ending by basically saying, like, yeah, no, he understood he shouldn't be alive. He got the death he wanted. All that kind of stuff is wrapped up. But also, he gives everyone an out and says, hey, do you want to use Craven the Hunter? Here's a new Craven. Use this guy. Man, like, people give Nick Spencer so much shit for the Hydra Cat thing. And, like, it's about... I've been sitting here this entire time (laughs) boiling over that exact thing, all right? Just trying to stay quiet. I I feel like if Nick Spencer gave a hint at what the ending was going to be with that story in the beginning, I don't think he'd be given nearly as much shit as he is. Yeah. Um, I think the end of that story felt like it was tacked on whenever they got the backlash. Because it was yeah. like, like it was literally like last second, like, oh, Cap, Cap saved the day from Cap. Like, the actual I'm not going to get into that, it. The, the, that like actual it. story, though, is like the furthest thing from my point. I just wanted to bring it up as a launching f- thing, because like, People give him so much shit for that, 
not undeservedly so because there's some really stupid stuff in that run one of which being the ending and like it's only about to start up again because linkara is doing secret empire this week but fucking like the guy gets comics okay he 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 fucks up and he has a he can get a little overly politically charged at times like i'm not one of those people who doesn't want politics in his comics it's just sometimes his com sometimes a nick spencer comic can read like a nick spencer twitter rant um but like the guy does actually get comics and he gets how to make some of these like goofier characters work and also bend things around to let fans have their cake and eat it too like at the same time as you're reading all that which sounds super dope chris I've been going back through his Ant-Man run because I have the uh, the omnibus of that, and I'd never actually read the whole thing in one go. So I've been slowly working my way through it. I read the uh, the first annual, the last day's one shot, and the first two issues of Astonishing Ant-Man today, and that's all really good stuff. It feels like every issue is just like examining Scott Lang as a character from a different angle, while also slightly advancing his character a little, like. Um, the the annual which i did put on the list because it's a really good done in one that's just about him and hank fighting one of hank's old villains and also comparing and contrasting him with hank as characters um and then uh fucking the most recent issue i had, i read astonishing ant-man number two is like this whole thing about him having a uh a relationship with Miss Fing and like how it all went south when Cassie came back and him kind of examining because he's kind of on the outs with Cassie and his ex-wife right now in the run. Um, him kind of examining like, am I just a flaky asshole? Is that my problem? What's what's going on here? And eventually it does kind of get cathartic, but you also realize there's people kind of going behind his back and attempting to screw him over and like, oh, where's it going to go from here? The guy's. Like, Nick Spencer understands how to write good serialized comics when he's not really bent out of shape about the state of the world. And he's been doing that a lot with, like, Peter Parker, because basically, in his run, he has tried to reverse all the baggage that Slot gave him. Mm -hmm. He has gotten back with Mary... Peter Parker's gotten back with Mary Jane. He... Peter Parker basically completely fix his relationship with black cat the platonic relationship by basically going like hey i made the world forget who i was and that included you that's a dick move on my part also he's not silver age iron man anymore yeah um though that is still playing a part in his character because he's working with an because basically it's revealed oh hey by the way dr octopus was in your brain so technically you plagiarized all your doctorate stuff, so we have to take away your doctorate. Kurt Connors basically goes like, hey, I'm teaching I'm teaching again. You can come into my classes, and basically I'm giving you the chance to earn your doctorate again. Do you want to do that? And Peter Parker goes like, you know what? Yeah, let me fix my problems. And he's working with another student, and they're building some cool tech. And like, at first he was really hesitant that boomerang was his roommate but they've slowly become friends like genuinely and he and they're exploring his new dynamic with j jonah jameson as like j jonah jameson knowing spider-man as peter parker yeah i saw the uh 
I actually read that whole issue where he finds out somebody posted it to Facebook, posted like scans of it to Facebook, and I read it on a lunch break of whenever it came out. That was a really good comic. And here's the thing. Jaden Jameson is now realizing, oh, shit, I was such a dick. Let me go over and above and try to rectify that. And now whenever he's doing a radio gig, he has it in his contract that he will never badmouth Spider-Man. Nice. And in Um, fact, he starts running and operating basically like a clickbait news website. And like the only thing that he agreed like he agreed to do it but the only condition was they could never claim spider-man was a bad guy that's cool and like he they do a podcast and they get into an argument and jay jonah jameson brings up some good points and it's because like spider-man goes like yeah you call me bad guy for like years fuck you and jay jonah jameson goes like you could have came to my office and we could have talked about it that's the thing that could have happened and peter just goes like Shit, you're fucking right. God damn it. <laughs> um fucking oh man. Have you read the uh the Mary Jane mini uh that's about her starring in Mysterio's first movie? No. But the, this this comic does touch on that. Yeah, I heard that was insanely good and I kind of want to read it at some I want I want to read that whole run at some point once it's wrapped up. I'm probably going to get to it. Also, the art's really good because they got uh, Oatley on it, the guy who uh, drew Invincible, and he just fits perfectly for Spider-Man. Yeah, ooh, that's exciting. Um, He doesn't do every issue, but the issues he does do are, like, fan-fucking-tastic. Nice. Um, Uh, Also, there's been major hints that he's going to, uh, Nick Spencer's going to reverse one more day. Oh my god. Like, like, He's going like, hey, all the things you want as Spider-Man fans, I'm going to try my hardest to do. I kind of want it to happen just to see Linkara be like, all right, I'm taking a month off to catch up on Spider-Man. Because <laughs> he's still saying, like, if they ever actually reverse it in the main Marvel Universe, I will read every Spider-Man comic from one more day till now. He, he has said that as recently as last year. But, I mean, like, genuinely, they're doing a lot of interesting things in the Spider-Man comic, and it feels it feels fun. Nice. Um, fucking, uh, hey, do you guys know about uh, Ultraman? Ultraman? Ultraman. Uh... Fucking, I've been watching Ultraman Z, because that's simulcasting on YouTube, and it's kind of a big historical thing. A lot of big historical moments for Toku being available in the West this year, despite it being a generally terrible year. Um, And uh, um, Episode 5 has come out as of this recording, however, I haven't watched it yet. But I just, I really dug the last two episodes, 3 and 4. Um, because there was like this little subplot. Um, we're we're fucking four episodes into the show. It's it's gonna be a twenty four episode show. Um, because uh, fucking uh, Ultraman only does half seasons compared to Sentai and Rider. And from what I hear, that makes the plotting a lot tighter and a lot more robust. Um, and that's pretty well exampled by 
first two episodes is just establishing our main cast. And then second episode, third and fourth episode is all about like, all right, so we've firmly established that we're a military organization. The main characters all have these kind of dynamics with each other. We've got this one giant robot that we have to fight off aliens and monsters, but it's kind of shitty. Ultraman kind of does our job for us. That's not great. Maybe we should get more funding. Oh, hey, there's some dignitaries from America who could give us that funding visiting today. Let's schmooze them. Let's transport this dormant monster to an unpopulated area using our robot to show that, like, hey, our technology's great, but it could be better. Why don't you give us funding to make a new robot? And then the monster wakes up and starts attacking, and Ultraman has to save their ass. And they're all like... Oh, man, this has ruined everything. He's not going to give us that funding now. And then he's like, no, y'all, the fact that Ultraman had to step in and help proves that we need to make a newer, better robot because this is fucking embarrassing. We shouldn't be having this issue. Um, so you guys are getting a new robot next week. Um, just send the designs and I'll approve them. And episode four rolls around and they're like, all right, the robot's pretty much finished. But we didn't account for this thing, which means there's a power issue. It uses way too much power. We can't fucking turn it on or we're going to drain all of Japan's electricity. We have to figure out a way to mitigate that. And so, like, the the main character, the fucking Ultraman, is barely in the episode, episode four. And it's mostly just this cute scientist girl who's been mostly in the background. And the head engineer of the, like, hangar bay who has been completely in the background up till now, just bonding over, like, um, uh, mutual respect and in the knowledge that they have in their respective fields and, like, trying to solve this problem. Um, and it was really cute and wholesome. And also, Ultraman uh, got a new form and did a diamond cutter. And DDP fucking noticed it. Yeah, that was great. It's, uh... Uh, like Ultraman Z. Um, I'm I'm really impressed with that show so far. And I kind of want to go back and watch all of the uh the newer Ultramans because of it. Um, like uh I'm pretty sure they switched to a new style at Ginga and they've been working with that up till now. And I kind of want to watch everything between Ginga and now because of that. Um also I did pick up some toys. That's the thing I mentioned earlier, so I should probably pay that off, you know, set up, pay off. Um I, uh, this is all from Toy Federation, but, uh, well, there's one thing that I got at Target, um, but mostly from Toy Federation, I got, uh, some, I got some Joes, I got, um, Dr. Mindbender and High Tech from Valor vs. Venom, uh, both very good science boys, one of which actually looks like a science boy, the other one looks like a character out of a 90s X-Men comic, and I adored them both, um, they're wonderful, they came with a, uh, a big goofy turret that has a, a uh, spring-loaded missile that I gave to Heavy Duty because it look he looks great holding it, um, and uh, got the Black Series Battle Droid. That thing is delicious. It's it's kind of hard to get it to stand, but like I have a thing of blue tack, so I'm not too annoyed by it. Um, but yeah, it's just an incredibly articulated figure for such an odd design. And uh, incredibly fun to pose. I took a ton of photos of it. Um, and then uh, 
hard swerve here, but uh, I was in Target looking for the uh, exclusive Mortal Kombat spawn and the Seekers 2-pack, neither of which have shown up anywhere around here yet, and I'm very annoyed by that. Uh, but as a consolation prize for myself, I got um, a, a new thing for my miscellaneous shelf, uh, Anime Heroes Kakashi Hatake. Uh, literally, a f- the cheapest possible figure I could get of the only Naruto character I'd want a figure of. And by that, I mean this is a $20 figure that's clearly like a import of a figure that was $10 in Japan. Because it's there's a few bits of English text on it, but mostly it's Japanese text and like weird, crazy designs that don't belong on an American toy shelf. And yet it was in a Target. And then yeah. I got a... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to ask, is it smaller than six inch? No, it's six inch. And that's the weird thing. Is I took it, it out Bandai? of the box. Yeah, it's Bandai. I took it out of the box. And it literally felt like a knockoff figure art. Like it has all the same articulation. It comes with an effects piece. There's interchangeable hands. But the joint for the interchangeable hands, like, wants to come apart the moment you start messing with it. The plastic has, like, this weird kind of gummy sheen to it. Um, And there's really only, like, two good poses you can get it in, even with all that articulation. It's very, it's a very weird piece. I'm kind of jonesing to do a video on it just to talk about how bizarre it is. Um, And I mean, like, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, that's actually Bandai making uh, anime branded stuff for America. That's not mm-hmm. like it was released there and then brought here. That's it was made for us. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. That's like if you if you also seen the same or a similar section, you'll see like the uh, twenty dollar uh, Gundam figures now. And you'll also see they're going to start doing My Hero figures in that line. Um, mm. And I think another anime, too. I can't remember what. Um, well, they already do Naruto and Dragon Ball. I think there's also some One Piece figures in the there. Dragon the Dragon Stars, sure. I feel, are a little bit different. Because Dragon Stars stands on its own two feet. The Gundam thing exists by itself. But the anime hero thing is what it sounds like. It's like Naruto and other stuff. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see One Piece being it. And um, I'm trying to think of what else, what else it could be. Bleach? Death Note? No, like, here's the thing. Like, and eh, you could maybe get, like, five figures out of Death Note. Um, but I think they're to... going for like just free things. I know what it is. Black theory. Clover. It's Black Clover. Oh. Hmm. But yeah, no, it's a it's a bizarre little figure. I don't hate it. It's I I don't want to call it bad. It's just like a weird a lot of weird choices, and I kind of want to make a video on it. But also like I really just bought it to have a Kakashi on my miscellaneous shelf. Because he was my favorite character. I almost said my favorite character. My favorite character from Naruto when I was a kid. Um, um, the the other thing is Saint Seiya. 
Oh, yeah. American figures of Saint Seiya. Yep. Night wow. the when I was a kid. Damn. That's uh that certainly is a thing. Honestly, the the one that's not all gold doesn't look bad at all. But then it's not Maybe. really the Saint Seiya dude, is it? Yeah. It's probably. I don't know. They're strange. They're definitely strange. Um, I also interrupted you. Continue. Uh, the only other thing I got was, and I was kind of building up to this because it's it's kind of main event worthy, at least in my book. Um, fellas, I I mooned over it and I hemmed and hawed over it for probably a um three or four visits to Toy Federation, but finally I pulled the trigger. On a boxed Transformers Armada MaxCon Starscream with Swindle. MaxCon Starscream? Yeah, that's what they called Voyager class during Armada. MaxCon. Wow, I never had that um, in my brain. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I have Armada Starscream now, and I got him brand new. All the fucking electronics, brand new air quotes. But I, I, I opened him. He was sealed. I, mo- I monstrously devalued a toy. Um, and uh, you know what? I don't care because I feel like I got a pretty fair price for it, and I'm fully satisfied with the thing. As opposed to buying a loose one on eBay and having to worry for weeks whether or not the electronics actually worked. This one, I pulled it out. I didn't even have to put new batteries in it. It was just immediately going off in my hand as I was undoing twist ties. That's crazy. How much did you pay again? $70. That doesn't sound so bad. Um, I think the last time I looked, uh, a boxed Armada MaxCon, because I think that's also in that class is uh, Red Alert. Last time I looked for something in that size class, I think it was like 100, 120 boxed. Yeah, I wouldn't be sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those toys where it's kind of been talked to death. Um, I agree with everybody that, like, yeah, the back juts out way too far. Yeah, those cannons can be a bit of a butt, pain in the butt. Yeah, the uh, the uh, the sword is a little doofy looking. But I mean, also, it's... there's just it's just so charming. It's 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 a toy of its era. It's trying really hard to accomplish a lot of things, and some things it's doing great at. Other things, it's like, okay, at least you tried. Um, really, the only thing I was disappointed with it was, um, okay, there's two little things. Number one, uh, his head cannot turn. Um, I was really annoyed by that. I was like, oh, I just, I don't need like a, I don't need a tilt. I don't need him to like nod, nod or his noggin. I just want him to be looking left or right. That's it. And he can't do that because his head's on like a spring platform. Um, and, uh, his minicon has way less articulation than I thought it would have. Like, I don't know if it's just like seeing it in only ever seeing it in like the game as a kid, but like for some reason I expected that thing to have like a lot of ball joints in it and it doesn't. So that might also be my fault because the past couple of weeks I've been hyping up how old minicons were like really good. Uh, a lot of them 
almost all of them were not. Listen, uh, I they're love fine. Minicons. They're good. Like that's let me. That's like one of my favorite things Transformers ever did. I'm fucking obsessed over those. Um, but a lot of them don't have that good of articulation like I thought they did. There are some that have like really good articulation, and that's probably why I remember. I'm like, oh, they all do because the ones that did were my favorite ones. And the ones that didn't, I'm like, all right, you're a car now. Have fun being on someone's shoulder. And it's also just that that conversation we were having about that pertain to the modern MicroMasters. And they their articulation is about the same as an okay Armada Minicon. And it's mm-hmm. like, in that amount of time, you haven't improved this technology. What's going on here? They have, and they've done it better sometimes. And just as a whole, they're not doing it that good right now. Um. Honestly, though, like, Armada is not where you want to be for good articulation. There's, like, one Armada figure that has amazing articulation, and that's, like, the... I think it's literally called, like, the Articulation Mode Optimus Prime or whatever. It's Bendy like, Prime. Yeah, it's it's the fucking Optimus Prime that came with the Target Master, which I yeah. bought that three years ago in box and opened it because I wanted to play with it. Good um, man. Um but uh like I wasn't I wasn't specifically complaining about it. I was just surprised that he didn't have a swivel joint. Like I don't I don't expect good articulation from Armada. I expect a fun doofy toy. Um it's just something I noticed that like wow every most other Armada figures have a head swivel. He doesn't. That was weird. Um but other than that, I do really like the toy. It's one of my favorite robot designs ever. Um, I I just really love that chunky, sort of clicky Armada feel. And fucking... Um, if that isn't one of your favorite sci-fi jet designs of all time, I don't think we can be friends. I'm just putting that out there. That's... Uh... It's also how we're going to end the podcast if nobody else has anything to say. Uh, Just kidding. Yeah, no, I can't think of anything, really. All right. Well, that's uh, that's it, folks. So, uh, hey, Chris, who the hell are you? And where can people find your shit? I'm tired. At this point, I don't know who I am. But I do know you can find my videos on Boingo Writer on YouTube. This fucking search for them it's not that hard uh i make video editorials and dumb shit i also do other things on the internet (laughs) i have a twitter and an instagram boingo underscore writer do you want to listen to 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 air being wiggled in a specific way that i intend you can go to soundcloud and listen to my music it's there. Yeah. Uh, do you want to engage in japeries and shenanigans on my Discord server? Well, guess what? There's a link to that in the description. Have fun. Cody, plug your stuff. I will not say what these are. Never underscore robot. Um, Snow 83. Snowcon eighty three, Snowcon eighty three, um, Snowbrook eighty three, and uh, Snowcon eighty three. All right.
you all have Google. I trust you to use it safely. But in, in case you're too lazy, hey, I'll direct you right to my shit. I'm the vacuuminator. I make videos and stuff on YouTube. I don't want to explain it too enthusiastically right now because it's like 2 a.m. and I'm actually tired and my family is actually sleeping. Um, but uh, you can find me at youtube.com slash user slash the vacuuminator spelled T-H-E-V-A-C-U-U-I-M-I-N-A-T-O-R. And uh, fucking I'm on the Twitter. I tweet and I twat quite a bit. I really shouldn't because it affects my mental health, but I do. I, I do it for you. And uh, I'm on Instagram. I've been getting back into toy photography this week. So, uh, hey, if you want to see some cool photos of, like, uh, the Beast Morphers Lightning Collection figures, go follow me on Instagram. And uh, this podcast is part of Modular Media. It's a Modular Media podcast. We put it out every week. You want to hear that podcast every week? You better subscribe, boy. Go ahead and subscribe. Ring the bell to enable notifications. Do me a favor. Hit, a, hit the like button. Help us out in the YouTube algorithm. Maybe leave a comment with some thoughts you have on this rather odd episode of Analytical Fanboys that proves we really shouldn't start recording any later than, like, 10, 11 o'clock. Jesus. Um, fucking, yeah. Follow us on Twitter, at the Modular Media. And uh, follow our subreddit, r slash Modular Media. And we'll see you next time when we're going to be discussing uh... Barry Allen Does a Stupid. Yeah, that's what it's called. Bye.